It's not every day on LTC Heroes I get to speak to a third generation pilot and third generation long-term care leader. Daryl Fisher was a joy to talk to. I think you're going to love his stories about his mission statement, about him flying almost 6,000 seniors and veterans in World War II era biplanes. What a fun story. I think you'll appreciate his personality as much as what he's done for long-term care and residents. I hope you appreciate this conversation as much as I did. This episode was brought to you by Experience.Care the long-term care EHR backed by guarantees. Visit experience.care forward slash guarantee to get your free profitability consultation today. Hello and welcome back to LTC Heroes Live by Experience Care. My name is Peter Murphy-Lewis. I'm your host. Today, I'm excited to be talking to a pilot. Daryl Fisher is the president of Mission Senior Living and very well known for being the founder and president of Dream Flights. Daryl, welcome to the program. Good to be here, Peter. I know we've worked on this for about a year, so it's good to finally be talking with you. I said this to you before we hit record, but your name is the one that comes up most often when long-term care leaders ask me after a podcast, who are you really excited about talking to? And I said, well, Daryl and I have rescheduled two or three times, each one of us, but he's on my short list. So I'm glad to be talking to you. Joe, to get started, I often start with what is your long-term care initiation story? And I know your initiation story goes back before you were actually working. Why don't you go ahead and tell me about your family and when you started to realize that long-term care was in your roots? Well, my grandparents started in senior living in 1965, so I was two years old. And I think my grandparents were owners. My dad became an administrator in 1968, and we moved to a little town in southern Oregon called Roseburg. And he subsequently, I think, broke every labor law, if there even were labor laws back then, because we would, my brother and I would, would go to the nursing home before school and work. And then when we get out of school, he'd had somebody deliver us to the nursing home and would work after school. And so I grew up working in a nursing home and doing pretty much everything as a young child, and I developed a real passion for seniors at that point in time and subsequently made it my career. It's all I've really ever done. If I've read around your website, you worked with your family and then you worked for a huge national organization and went out on your own. What details need to be filled in there? Well, I was fortunate because my family was in the business, but they had leased out all their nursing homes in the late 80s. And so I went to college in my AIT, there was no opportunities in the family business, and I, which was very fortunate because I got a chance to learn and start my leadership career, senior living career with Prestige Care in 1989 with Phil Fogg Sr., Phil Fogg Jr., Rick Dillon, and a lot of the people from Avamir and different things. So I started very early with a great company and got great examples of leadership, and then there became opportunities in the family business. So in 1991, I got into business with my father and my mother, and I started my career as an owner and continued as an administrator and regional manager and that kind of thing. I'm going to ask you about, was, was there pressure? Did you kind of fall into it? But before I want to let you know, I want to mention at the beginning, your names come up a bunch. And one of them was with Phil Fobb Jr. I interviewed him at the Nebraska Healthcare Convention on stage. And afterwards, 
I asked him if he knew you. He said, of course I know Daryl. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me, you know, when you decided to to create your own organization, did you know you were always going to be in long-term care? Did you just not fit in somewhere else and you dabbled maybe in high school teaching and then you worked at a retail store? Was there any details in between? Well, there was, and I actually had a couple opportunities along the way. I grew up, I always worked when I was growing up as a kid and all the way through high school. And even in college, I worked 30 hours a week. But I fell in love with aviation when I was 18, between high school and college. My grandparents were both pilots. My father's a pilot. And so I grew up around airplanes and the elderly. So I really fell in love with aviation. I went to college as an engineer because I wanted to build things and uh, was failed horribly and was miserable as an engineer. So after two quarters of engineering school, I went to aviation school. And my mother was terrified because she thought I would get my commercial pilot's license and quit college and not finish, you know, go to work, which she wasn't too far off. But so I went and did the aviation thing and I did an internship and I flew for a while and it became very clear I did not want to try to make money in aviation. So I went back to business school and went back to my roots. And I, at that point in time, I planned on getting into senior living. So I went back and got my four-year degree specifically to get back into senior living. The interesting thing is that while I was in college, I started flying an airplane for a business owner and he manufactured wood stoves. So he employed me not only as his pilot for a while, but then he employed me in research and development. While I was in college, I actually set up a manufacturing plant for him and he wanted me to stay on with him in manufacturing. But ultimately, it comes back to my grandparents and how I grew up. And my grandparents made a very specific decision to get into nursing homes because they wanted to make an investment in something, but they wanted to make a difference when they made an investment. It was about more than money. Yes, they wanted to make money, but they also wanted to help society in a very specific way. And so the senior living care appealed to them. And honestly, it appeals to me. And so I came back to it. That's when I did my AIT and I started working with Prestige and Phil Fogg Sr. I have a lot of follow-up questions. So and I'm a little bit scatterbrained. I warned you that we jump all over the place. I want to know, because my family is in banking, and I would say the exact same thing about my grandfather and why he got into banking is he wanted to make a good investment that also made a difference. And I could give you examples. I'm interested in what examples could you give me that taught you that, you know, this is not just about investment. This is an investment in people's lives. Do you remember any stories, a meeting? Do you ever oversee them on a Christmas morning or on a Saturday evening having to go and do something or the way they talked about their residents that you're like, you know, this is in my heart. This isn't in a manual. I learned this from my family. Well, it points to my dad and my mom because they... My dad went to become the administrator at this nursing home for my grandfather because, ironically, he was going broke at the time. He was about ready to have a heart attack because he was worried about the business. The business wasn't doing well. He ultimately had people that were dishonest working with him. And so he called my dad. My dad majored in college in Greek and Hebrew. Okay, he was a biblical language major, and he was a teacher up in Spokane, Washington, when he got the call from my grandfather. And he's, my grandfather said, Bill, he said, I need you to go to Roseburg and be my administrator. And my dad said, I don't know anything about business, senior living, nothing. And my grandfather said something really profound. 
he said, you'll work hard and you'll be honest. And that's what I need. And so we packed up the family. We moved to Southern Oregon. And I watched my dad's commitment to people because he wasn't a business first guy. And I saw him in the uh, winter of 1969. They had a two-foot snowfall in Southern Oregon. They had one snowplow in the county. And my dad got a four-wheel drive Jeep from the local car dealership, and he went out and put chains on all four. He drove for 36 hours straight, getting his team members to take care of the residents and stuff. So, you know, throughout, I saw my dad's commitment. I saw his ability to make a difference in in, uh, people's lives, and it, it just, I followed in those footsteps. He set an incredible example for me. Well, I, going back to the Greek and Hebrew, Reading Greek and Hebrew is probably a lot harder than reading a P&L. So if he got the people person right, he could learn the economics of the business afterwards, I'm guessing. But Daryl, let's pause real quick and explain who Mission Senior Living is in terms of size, states, beds, and then also give me an overview of dream flights for the listeners who might not. And then I have tons of follow-up questions around those two and the relationship of them. I'm thinking Venn diagram and how one influences the other. But I'll let you start with kind of an intro to them. Well, what Mission Senior Living, we develop, we build, and we operate our own community. So we have a construction company and we have a management company. We're very focused on our community. So we just do it for ourselves. We have nine communities in four states, Nevada, Arizona, New Mexico, and Montana. And we focus on areas of the United States and cities where there isn't necessarily a lot of options for seniors. So we try to bring something new to the marketplace that they don't have availability so they can stay in their own town. So we build in smaller geographic areas. That's our preference. So we, you know, we're not in Dallas and Seattle and greater Los Angeles or any of those kind of places. Can you give an example of size? Like something, one of your last three projects, like what's the size of one of the towns or cities you're choosing? Well, we're in Mesquite, Nevada, which is between Las Vegas and St. George. And the basic surrounding area is 30 to 35,000 people. And there's no, what we would consider senior living there. And so we're, so people have to move out of town if they want assisted living or memory care, basically. So we built a community there. And ironically, we're 100% occupied and we're just adding on 17 apartments, start construction next, next month. So that's the kind of thing. So people can now stay in Mesquite, which helps Mesquite, which helps their families, which it's a win-win, right? I mean, we obviously have to provide care and service. We obviously have to make money, but now we get to impact people's lives because they can stay in town or people that move to Mesquite and retire there can bring their families with them. I have a follow-up question in relation to, let's see, you're in four states, did you say? Yes. Okay. Most owners and operators try to stay in one state if they can. I'm guessing for HR reasons, for legal reasons, for tax reasons, attorneys are a lot less cheaper, uh, a lot less expensive. You obviously broke that mold. Why did you diversify despite those kind of heavy hitting variables that I just shared? Well, that's where my, the aviation comes into play, Peter, because you're right on those accounts, but we're only two hours from our farthest community. And so, and based on our culture and our mission and things like that, it requires us to be actively involved in our community. So through aviation, we can get there. It's a vital tool to us 
because being two hours away, you could be in South Phoenix and have to get up to the north part of Phoenix and it could take you two hours. So we don't, we're more interested in the opportunity. We're more interested in where we can fulfill our mission. And then we'll deal with the, we have the transportation issue solved. I want to move over to Dream Flights and just get a little intro into what it is and what encompasses and what you execute. But I want to compliment whoever helped you create your mission statement. When I was spending time on your websites for Mission Senior Living, I really liked the way that you all put right away, caring people, serving people, improving lives. And then you strongly say six simple words, one powerful mission. Is that mission important? I know I don't want to generalize and say that about 30 to 50% of the organizations that I run across don't know their own mission. But I mean, not everyone cares about their mission. Is there a way that you find those six words in the day-to-day work of your all's organization? Well, I'm really glad you said something about it, Peter. And if you don't mind, I'll take you down that road a little bit because think about it. Every business has to have a mission statement. It's just like business 101. And we have been blessed to have a very simple, because in six words, we can tell you who we are, what we're doing, and why. In six words, we're caring people, that's who we are. We're serving people, that's what we're doing. And why we're doing that is to improve lives. And those six words are the difference. I mean, that is who we are. I mean, and you can use those six words to make every decision you need to make in a senior living business. Because if you start asking yourself, am I a caring person? Am I kind? Am I, am I respectful? Am I honest? You, know, you can just start going down the list. And if the answer is yes, then you're on the right track. Then you can say, am I serving people? Is this for people's best interest? And then ultimately, you can say, does this improve somebody's life? And you notice we're very generic on that because it might be your family member's life. It might be your team member. It could be the vendor that you're, you know, we, I heard a story last week from one of our vendors and Sarah Green is our VP of operations and Sarah shared some communication strategies that we have internally and how we run our business with this vendor. He went out and he implemented, he stole it from us, which is fantastic. It's had a huge impact on their business and has made them more successful. So it's about improving lives and I don't care who it is. So when you think about those six words, they are incredibly powerful and anybody, I mean, anybody can remember. I mean, it's on my logo right here. I'm glad to know that this goes beyond just a good copywriter, a good marketer on your website. I can tell that you're passionate about. So I'm going to sit on it even a little bit longer. When you were talking about how it helps you make decisions, it reminds me of one of the, I would say probably the most influential business book that I've read which is Traction by Gina Wickman. And he has kind of a system for how you do it. And the system specifically that relates to your metaphor was you have a people analyzer tool and what you do is you determine if it's the right person, right seat. And then you say, get it, got it, want it. Do they understand it? And do they have the capability to do it? And do they want it? And that framework has always helped me. And I love how you've been able to take six words and use the same framework. Okay, confession time. 
Yes, I host the LTC Heroes podcast, and hopefully you know that by now, but I can't take all the credit. Jason Long, the CEO of Experience Care, told me two years ago that when we started this show, that this new audio platform had to create value for everyone, whether you're a client of Experience Care EHR or not. Then he encouraged me to become a CNA to really help LTC Heroes resonate with caregivers and leaders. And between you and me, he really knew what he was talking about. LTC Heroes has been invited to almost 10 conventions in 2022 to finally shine a light on what leaders like you have been doing for decades. It's that sort of knowledge of the industry that really makes me appreciate Experience Care, which has developed a customizable and intuitive EHR that makes clinical financial and billing processes more efficient and accurate. It transforms workflows into something that makes sense so you can focus on what really matters, caring for your residents. The software is used by ALS, SNFs, CCRCs, big and small facilities alike. Countless users have reached out and shared with me that it really is effective in helping them improve outcomes. I can honestly say that I know my grandparents would be proud to learn that I work at a place like at Experience Care, and I just wanted to take the time to thank Experience Care for sponsoring this podcast. Check out their latest products at www.experience.care. Well, and to go even deeper, Peter, and this could take us on to probably another podcast, but those six words are the only reason I'm here today, because our mission, values, and principles guided me in leading the operations at SunWest Management through the restructuring and bankruptcy for two and a half years of hell. And without those MVPs, I would have been unable to lead that successfully and stay focused, given the challenges that we were facing at the time. So these are not just things that we dreamed up. These are things that absolutely work. And as I came out of the SunWest management experience and started DreamFlight, and I was preparing to, you know, my business partner and I were preparing to launch Mission Senior Living, we had a couple of job offers that we turned down because people didn't understand our mission and were unwilling to create, allow us to create a culture that was based on those six words. So my business partner and I, we worked four years with zero pay. That, that's how strongly we believe in our mission. Not a lot of people know that. There's probably not a lot of people who would do it either. Well, you know, I don't know about that, but, but you know, those six words seem kind of, you can kind of brush them off, but they are absolutely profound and have deeply influenced our culture and how I lead. That's a great segue into Dream Flights and that mission, which is giving back to those who gave. Will you, for someone who's never been to dreamflights.org or never seen any of the press coverage, will you explain what giving back means and who is this aimed at? Who is the people that gave? Dream Flight is a very different organization and I sort of fell into it, but we give flights, okay, to residents veterans and seniors that live in nursing homes, assisted living centers, and retirement centers all over the U.S. Now, understand, this is not just a, a flight and a pressurized twin-engine airplane. This is in a 1940s biplane, open cockpit biplane. And people would think we were crazy for doing that. The risk comes up, right? <laughs> like, what's the liability? What's this? What's that? What's everything else? What we give to people of that generation, 80s and 90s, we're giving them the opportunity to do something again that they want to do, and nobody thinks they can do. So we're, they're crying 90. Our oldest is 104, 
We've given three residents flights at 104. And nobody, including themselves in many cases, are thinking they're going to go out and crawl in an open cockpit by mine. Well, that's what we do. And we've gotten really good at it. We're over almost 6,000 flights now in 49 states. And the joy that it unlocks something in them that it takes them back to an earlier era. It brings joy to them. It brings joy to their family. It brings joy to the caregivers. And it tells the senior themselves or the veteran themselves that they're not done yet. They're still relevant. They can still do cool things. And they have proof of it. It's amazing. If you haven't heard about this, go look at the website, Dream Flights, and, or just look it up on YouTube. The videos are really cool. And as, as Daryl said, almost 6,000 flights. Daryl, I want you to share a story or two of something that impacted you, like almost like you feel that you got more from watching them than you gave to them. I know when I became a CNA, I was particularly drawn to residents with dementia because I had a number of my grandparents with dementia and I felt like I had to pay back for those CNAs who took care of my grandparents. And I felt like the dementia residents gave more to me I'm sure you have a story of someone who got in that airplane with you and you walked away and you'll never forget something. Well, I have a very specific story and I tell you, I mean, you can just multiply that times 20, 50, 100, whatever, and it, it just goes out there because every one of our pilots has a similar story, multiple stories. But last in July, I was up in Merrill, Wisconsin. And you may or may not know, but in 2021, we did the last mission for World War II veterans in history. We flew 891 World War II veterans on Operation September Freedom. Between August 1st and September 30, we flew 891 of them in 47 states. So in 60 days, we were in 47 states. It was an amazing experience. Well, a couple, multiple veterans Jack Hochberger being one of them, he fell the day before his flight and hurt his hip. And he was in the hospital. So we couldn't fly him last year. Well, he, his grandsons and him, they stayed in touch with us. And they said, well, I said, well, we're going to be back in Merrill, Wisconsin next year if you're the only one we fly. So I was the pilot on this particular one. I go up there. Jack comes out. I think Wendy's going to send you some pictures. He's in a flag shirt and He's in shorts and he's 97 years old, but still really physically in pretty good shape, has a little dementia and absolutely was overjoyed with his flight. I mean, his grandson flew out from L.A. just to attend the flight. So that day that I flew Jack, it was my fifth day of flying. And we finished about two o'clock in the afternoon. I flew the airplane to Milwaukee and I'm tired. When we get done, it's a long day. It's a long five days. I was pretty tired. I get on my Southwest flight, and I'm in uniform. And so the flight attendant came back and was talking to me. I was telling him what we were doing. And right while I was talking to the flight attendant, this guy walks past me, and he said, Daryl, he goes, I got to tell you, he says, the gift that you gave me and my grandfather was priceless. He said, when I took him back, to, to his home, about 20 minutes, the clarity that he had and the conversation and the time that we got to spend together was absolutely priceless. I mean, so I was on the same plane as his grandson, unknowingly, going back to L.A. He was headed back there. I was headed back to Reno. 
and he gives this right in front of everybody. It was almost a little bit embarrassing, but it speaks to the power of what we're doing. And when I heard that, I almost got teared. I mean, I almost teared up because how often do we directly, I mean, directly within hours, get to hear feedback and know that we've made an impact forever? Because his grandson will always remember him as a World War II veteran flying open cockpit biplane. It's an amazing story. I don't know how you keep it together. I would tear up every single time something like that happens. Every day that I fly, I will wind up tearing up. I, you can't help it. The, the, and you never know where it's coming from. It might come from a daughter. We've seen all kinds of different things, but that's the advantage to flying an open cockpit because I wear sunglasses instead of goggles and the air dries out my eyes. Because I would be a mess otherwise, really. I mean, it's very emotional. And in our training, we talk to pilots, you know, our volunteer pilots about this. There is incredible power in the gift that we're giving somebody. And when you give a gift that powerful, the crazy thing is, is it comes back to you. And pilot after pilot has said, you know, I wanted to get involved with dream flights to fly the airplane. Now I don't care about the airplane. What I care about is the people, the veterans and the seniors that we're flying. I care about making a difference for them. And so it's changed our pilots. I mean, it's weird. It's really weird. As we start to wrap this up, I want to ask what is the overlap, if any, between being a pilot and working in long-term care? And maybe I'll change the question for you to think about how you want to approach it. What do you learn from working in long-term care that changes how you are as a pilot or vice versa? That's, I've never been asked that question before. I don't know that there is a lot of correlation, honestly, Peter. I, it's a very different, it, they're two very, very different things. And I, so I don't, I really don't know how to answer that. I don't know that I've learned anything from long-term care about my aviation career. I mean, I'm a commercial pilot. I could technically go out and earn a living as a pilot, but, and then vice versa. I don't know that the piloting has, has impacted because you're doing two very different things. I'm leading an organization in mission and I'm leading dream flights, but when I'm actually performing the function of a pilot, my job is to fly that airplane very singularly. And I tell people I'm very selfish when I'm flying because I want to take care of myself because when I take care of myself, I take care of my passengers. It's different in the senior living world. You're taking care of others and then you take care of yourself. And so it's almost opposite. But And I guess that's what makes me the luckiest guy on earth because I grew up with seniors. I grew up with aviation. And now I get to do both. I mean, I literally feel like I was born to do this. And so it's not really a job. It's, you know, there's a lot of, I have to do a lot of things that aren't very fun. And you know, everybody does, right? But in general, in my world, to be able to make an impact in the senior living communities daily, and then to be able to make an impact in directly, I mean, within minutes, see an impact of how I've impacted a senior veteran, and then be able to give that gift to senior living professionals all over the country. Right? We're doing something for them. We're giving them something positive to work with their residents with. You know, we're giving, in most cases, we're giving people their last best experience in life. When you think about it. Amazing. Yeah. It's, and even it feels, and maybe I'm adding too much to it, but it feels like the life-changing moments you have are somewhere between 10 and 30 maybe 50 if you go through a really nasty divorce. 
you're giving some people some life-changing moments, maybe a year before they pass, when no one thought that they would ever have it again. Well, and in some cases, I'll just give you a brief example. If we have time, we had one of our pilots was, was ferrying an airplane, and we got a call from a lady and wanted to give her dad a flight. She didn't even tell her dad that he was going to fly. I talked to her afterwards, and we stopped in at this place. We took him for a flight. I think he was a Korean War veteran. He was really in bad shape. He didn't know he was going to fly until she brought him out there, and he agreed to go flying. He hadn't literally talked. He hadn't done anything with his family for years. And she gets him, and she figured he'd want to go back to his facility or something right away. And she goes, no, no, let's go get something to eat. Then they went shopping. They spent three hours together. He died 10 days later. How do you quantify? I mean, this is where it gets tough for me because when you know you're doing that for people and then that happens and you hear about it, it's like, wow, you can't buy that. There's no way to buy that. So beautiful. Daryl, I said this to when the PR person that I've spoken to over the last year, you and I tried to organize this, that if you ever come to Wichita, Kansas, and I watched your video on your website that at one point, the airplanes that you fly had a factory in Wichita. So I know that there's a huge aviation connection there. If you ever come through, I'd love to meet you and come out. I just flew there. Oh, I missed you. We fly every year in Wichita, Kansas. Let's make it happen next year. For legend senior living. Yeah, and we fly out at Stearman Field, which is just a little bit east. It is, it is absolutely a spectacular event. So, Wendy, I'll make sure we put it in the books to get you out there because you'll get a chance to see the magic because I can talk about it. But until you see it, you don't fully understand it. Such a pleasure to meet you, Daryl. If I don't meet you at a convention, I'll meet you at uh, the Stearman Airport in Wichita, Kansas in a year. Thank you so much for joining me. All right, Peter. Thanks. Visit ltcheroes.com to join our Facebook group for nurses and our exclusive LinkedIn group for LTC owners. Visit ltcheroes.com for your exclusive access today. This episode was brought to you by Experience.Care, the long-term care EHR backed by guarantees. Visit Experience.Care forward slash guarantee to get your free profitability consultation today.